Father, give us uh, the ears to hear what we need to hear this morning. Help us to pay attention to what you have spoken in your written word. Help us to pay attention to you most of all and to know how to trust you in this and live with you in this world as you intended us to. In Jesus' name, hear us. Amen. Please be seated. So, we took a little break last week for a, an installation, <laughs> but prior to that, we've been talking about who is the Holy Spirit and what does He do? And we're going to pick that up again this week. And, uh, but yeah, we've heard about how the Holy Spirit is the Lord, the giver of life, as the Creed puts it. That He's the one who descends on us like a dove. He is... He brings us something of a foretaste, uh, a down payment of what's to come. He is the one who enables us to confess Jesus is Lord and to cry with Jesus, Abba, Father. And by his first breath, we're given mortal life. By his second breath, eternal life. There's a lot we could say about the Holy Spirit. We could go on and on. Today, though, I'm going to take a little different turn with this and keep with this actually for the next few Sundays, but I'm going to look at how the Holy Spirit, along with the Son, they always do things together, uh, how the Holy Spirit gives us the gift of Sabbath rest. So this is the weekend. This is a, a long weekend, in fact. And my guess is that most people would say the, the weekend is a good idea. Right, that whoever came up with this idea should be acknowledged, honored, thanked. Well, that happens every Friday whenever somebody says, thank God, it's Friday. <laughs> if only, yeah, we all meant it. But as far as I know, the first time in recorded human history that you ever see something like a weekend, like what we have right now, is with the Jewish people. A regular, weekly, every seven-day break from work. This happened with the Jewish people. And in fact, yeah, it's one of the main things that distinguished them from all the other peoples on the earth. In fact, they even got ridiculed for it from other nations, saying, look at these lazy people <laughs> who don't work every day. They take a day off. They must be pretty lazy. Um, Sabbath, Sabbath means literally to stop, to cease. And in the context, it means to stop your normal work, the work that you had been doing. Now you stop for this day. And this is the, the meaning, uh, actually the day for Saturday, or the word Saturday, the word Sabbath, both originate from the Hebrew word for, for Sabbath, which is Shabbat. Now, maybe some of us think of it like, oh, the weekend is like something like an interruption to the week, uh, to my, my more significant work. Um, if only I could just work more. But that's not the Jewish understanding of Sabbath. The Jewish understanding of Sabbath is that it's the goal, the destination of the week. The weekend, as in the, the end goal of the week, where the goal is pointing us to, taking us to, and getting fulfilled in. That's more of the sense of what Sabbath is supposed to be about. It's special. 
And uh, there's something special about the time. And I think we even feel this a bit in the weekend. It's a different kind of time, right? When we take off our workday clothes, we put on our party weekend clothes, because uh, we're entering a different time, a, a work-less time, a time when we have time off, downtime, when we can do whatever we want in our own sweet time. <laughs> what we hope is going to be a good time when we lose all track of time, and then suddenly it's all over in no time. <laughs> And we just know that there's just not enough days in the weekend sometimes. So the weekend used to be Saturday, of course, historically. But with the coming of Jesus, that changed and actually expanded. So the the first, of course, people who followed Jesus were Jews. And they had the Saturday off. That was the day they didn't work. And those who believed in Jesus, a lot of them still continue to gather on the Saturday and worship in the synagogue. But because Jesus rose from the dead on the Sunday, they started meeting early Sunday morning before work as well, in addition to the Saturday. But that wasn't a day off for them. And in fact, at first they didn't even try to get it off. They just tried to meet before the workday. Over time, over centuries, that day ended up becoming an official day off for people in the culture, for Christians and people even who weren't Christians. So, so you had a day off, Saturday for the Jews, and then eventually Sunday off for Christians in the broader culture, and then both days off, eventually over time for everybody, and voila, you have the weekend. <laughs> that's a very oversimplified version of the story, but that's something of what happened. Now, it's been said that the Sabbath is the greatest gift of the Jews to the world. And I think the Jewish scriptures, what we call the Old Testament, would say it a little differently, as we've heard, that the Sabbath is one of the greatest gifts of God to the world that came through the Jewish people and the way they practiced it through the centuries to this day. Now, before I get in, into more of the Sabbath, I, I think it's good to recognize not everyone has experienced the specialness of Sabbath rest for a variety of different reasons. Sometimes reasons we don't choose that are forced upon us. For some of us, we just don't know how to stop working. Or we don't know how to stop and pause and enjoy the true meaning of Sabbath rest. There's some of us, I think, who have a lot of Memories of these long, exhausting church activities. <laughs> Talk to people who grew up like this that were far from refreshing and restful. They just wiped them out. Others have a memory of a lot of restrictions on this day. What you just couldn't do. You couldn't buy certain things. You couldn't listen to certain kind of music. You couldn't do really anything that was fun, for kids at least. <laughs> um, others think of the Sabbath as this undesirable, legalistic thing we need to be delivered from, that Jesus delivers us from. And I think there's something to that, as we even saw in our Gospel reading. The, the Pharisees were putting these burdens on people, and Jesus uh, didn't abide by those. <laughs> in fact, he healed people and showed the day's true intent. But we're going to get to that in other weeks. 
What I think we're seeing now more and more, especially to see the books coming out, is that people are seeing and experiencing, or at least longing for the goodness of Sabbath rest, trying to figure out what does this mean? What does this mean for us today? How do I do this? Well, that's what we're going to be looking at in these weeks. And, a, and someone who helped with this shift in recent times is Abram Heschel. If you know this author, he was a Jewish philosopher and rabbi, and he wrote a book called The Sabbath. And this really helped change people's thinking in, in the last several decades about what is the Sabbath, and to see it again as the goal, the summit of, of the week, of creation week, of even most of all, a foretaste of paradise, of what's to come. Now, Heschel didn't get this on his own. He was guided by what we see in Genesis. So let's look there. One of the things you notice is that God blesses this day, this period of time. He blesses time. He blessed uh, people to be fruitful and multiply. He blessed the animals. But here he blesses time, interestingly, and makes it holy, he says. And he doesn't do that for any other day during creation week. It's the only day he does this for. And really, it's the first time in Genesis, I think it's the only time actually in Genesis, where the word holy is used right here in that verse. He made it this day holy. Another thing you might notice as you're reading along, you'll read, you, you notice that there's this poetic refrain, and I, I definitely think Genesis should be read more poetically than scientifically. We could get into a discussion about that some other time. But you have this poetic refrain, there was evening and there was morning the first day. There was evening, there was morning the second day. You have it for every day except the final day the seventh day, the Sabbath. It has no evening, no morning. And so many see this as a, a suggestion that what we're seeing here on the Sabbath is meant to be a foretaste, a pointing to that day that has no end. Our eternal rest with God. What his creative work and now redemptive work is ultimately pointing us to. That's what we're supposed to be seeing and tasting in Sabbath. And this is still true. As our Sabbath reading said, there still remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And therefore, let us make sure and make every effort to enter that rest. So keep that in your heart. It looks different now with the coming of Jesus. There's some, there's some new things going on wrapped up in him. But it's still there. It's more Sabbath, if anything, than less. Back to Genesis, though. You see, it, it took God seven days, it says. Why seven? What's the significance of seven? In the Bible, seven's a big deal. <laughs> and it's not just the number that comes after six. It's not just a number. It means something. Seven in the Bible means fullness, completeness, something really good, things as it should be. 
And uh, yeah, so seven is a day. It, it's, you should read this as a seven is a, as a fullness, as it should be complete kind of day. And when that happens, you should stop. You should rest. You should enjoy and delight in what's just happened. And live your life from there, from that place of rest and delight. And what we see here is God is the first one to do this. Sabbath rest is not our idea. It's God's idea. And actually, he's the first one to do it, to practice a Sabbath rest. And this was an example he wanted Israel to follow, to reenact. So the first version of the Ten Commandments, this is what Israel was told. So there's two versions of the Ten Commandments. In the first one, it's linked to creation. In the second one, it's linked to the Exodus, which we'll look at next week. But you read, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So first off, you can see even God is not a workaholic, <laughs> and neither should we be if we're made in his image and we're to reflect him. Even God takes a rest. And Israel here is told to pay attention to this and to imitate this, to imitate their creator in this work-rest rhythm, which for humans translates into a seven-day, well, six-day work, one day of rest. So every week, Israel's in effect reenacting, in a human way, the creation story of working and resting. But it's interesting what's highlighted here, who's supposed to do this? This isn't just for the privileged people of their day. So it's highlighted that it's for men and women. It's for people who had slaves at the time and for slaves. It's for uh, foreigners, people who are, had a tricky immigration status. It, had, it was for the animals even. The animals were to take a rest. This is profound. This is really distinctive in the ancient Near East. There's nothing like this at this time. Doug McKelvey in this book I've quoted from before in sermons, and I'll probably quote from it again, Every Moment Holy, you haven't got a hold of this book, I highly recommend it. He has a prayer, he has prayers for all kinds of things in here, and one is a, a prayer for when you go on vacation. We've prayed it a few times uh, at the beginning of our vacation, which starts like this. O Christ, our Sabbath, you have fashioned us to function best in rhyming lines of work and rest. We're going to see later how Christ is our Sabbath. Today, though, we're focusing more on how he's fashioned us to work best in these rhythms of work and rest. This is how we were made. We're made in the image of God, 
who worked and rested. So we're going to flourish as humans when we do that. And we're not going to flourish if we don't do that. So back to Israel. This reenacting, it would, for one, give them a rest from their work, which is a good thing in and of itself. But the focus was always there for then on the works of God. What God did in creation. What God did in redemption, in the Exodus. And for us, what God did, the finished work he did in Christ. So resting always equals resting from the works of our hands and turning to and resting in the works of God's hands. That's always key in rest. You can't really do one properly without the other if you want to enter Sabbath rest. That's always in my mind if I'm taking a break and wanting to rest. I'm turning from the the works of my hands and I'm thinking about resting in the works of God's hands in creation and redemption and new creation. In the first few lines of the Bible, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So we're starting here with darkness, formless, empty. We're starting with unlivable, inhospitable chaos in the Genesis story. We don't know how this came to be. There is no let there be the earth. There is no let there be the water, let there be darkness. How did they get there? When? For how long? We don't know. We're not told. We're only told what God did with this situation. That he brought a cosmos out of this chaos. Something beautiful and livable and hospitable for humans. So that he, des- he made this earth, designed this earth for life. For, to support us, to nourish us, to fill us with life. The, the air we breathe is meant to put life in our lungs and in our veins. And we can rest in that. That's how things are designed. So for me, a good practice, a good Sabbath practice, is to get out into creation on a hike, on a walk, on a bike ride, on a paddleboard, on the water, preferably where there's lots of trees, and just look at how God has made this world. Take it in, how beautiful it is, how much life there is in it, and life that's giving us life. Just taking a deep breath and resting in that, that is an important thing to do. That's something of what it means to practice Sabbath rest. It's also good to imagine how, what God did in creation um, and how we can rest in that in the chaoses of our lives. So just like God took a chaotic, inhospitable situation and brought creation out of it, he can do that too for us. So I think I, I might have mentioned this in a sermon a couple of years ago when I, I think I preached on the Sabbath here about this time when we were in Switzerland. So I think this is my first, well, maybe not my first Switzerland story if I've already told it. (laughs) When uh, Anne and I, we were there and with our boys, but we were feeling quite weighed down by a lot of things.
things. We just, there were so many things happening that were beyond the works of our hands. <laughs> and we were, we were sitting at, at the edge of Lake Geneva, which is this beautiful lake. On the other side was the Alps. It was a bright blue day. And we were just thinking, oh man, at one point, this was all darkness, empty, void. And then God brought this somehow out of all of that. And if he can do that with cosmic chaos, then he can certainly do that with our little chaos. So we can turn in that moment. We Sabbath in that moment. We turn from the works of our hands that only go so far, and we turn to the works of his hands in creation and in redemption uh, that, uh, that he does for us even this day. Let's go just a little deeper into the number seven. Seven, again, doesn't just mean the number after six. Seven has meaning. It's kind of like the icon on your computer. It's a little symbol, but it means it holds files or apps, meanings bigger than it. So like we've seen already, it means fullness. It means completeness. It means sacred. It can also mean temple. That would be one of the clues that are, is happening here in this text. So at this time, if something took seven years or seven days to build, that would clue people into the fact that what's being built here, created, is a temple for a god. And so people reading this text at this time most likely would have heard, when God is building creating here. What he's doing, he's building a cosmic temple palace for himself to live in and dwell in and rest in and rule from. That's what he's doing, what he did with creation. And again, this is seven would clue them into this. It's not just the seven days. In the Hebrew and in the structure, sevens are all over the place. I don't have time to go into it, but again, that would clue people in. God is making a temple palace for himself. And at this time, when a temple was made for a god, the last thing you do was to put in an image, a statue image of the god in the temple to represent the god and the life of the god. And so what does God do? He doesn't put a stone statue in as his image, but Adam and Eve. And, and ever since then, us too. So this world ultimately is God's temple palace. And we're his images meant to represent him in this creation. And there's a way you can see that all the way through the Bible. That gets fulfilled eventually again in Revelation. John Walton has a, a great illustration for this to help us to see that God resting on the seventh day isn't total inactivity for God. It's not like God just stopped doing all things altogether. <laughs> He just stopped his creational work in order to begin his ruling. So he, he talks about, John, John Walton talks about the White House as an example. So the White House took eight years to build. And after that, after the work was finished, John, President John Adams moved in. So after the builders rested from their work because they were finished, John Adams rested in their work when he moved into the house uh, to live there, to make that his resting place. 
But John Adams didn't go there just to rest and to go to sleep. <laughs> he went to the house, to the White House, to rule from that place of rest. So in the same way, when God is finished with his cosmic White House, his new earthly address, he doesn't stop working. He stops his creational work. He rests from that in order to rest in this new space from which to rule from. And as we're in being made in his images, or being made in his image, we're meant to rest and to rule with him from that place of rest. It's one thing to, to rule, to have dominion on the earth from a place of unrest. And it's another thing to do it from a place of rest with God. And so we see this with Adam and Eve. Eventually what they turn their back on God and in turn they turn their back on his rest and rule and become forever restless and unruly. And I think we know what that means too. Beautiful. <laughs> I, love, I love birds flying through the sanctuary <laughs> when I preach. It's great. Um, but yes, when we turn our back on God, we know what it means to turn our back on his rest and rule as well and become restless and unruly. And really, the rest of the story of, creation, of the Bible is about getting back to that place of Sabbath, ruling with God under his rule, but according to his rule, and ruling from that place of rest. After this story, uh, you don't hear about the Sabbath for a long time, not until the Exodus does it come back into the story, and that will be for next week. What's important to remember for today is that the creative work of the Holy Spirit, along with the Son, gives us this rhythm of work and rest. Takes us from chaos to something beautiful and livable, life-giving, to something of fullness and completeness, to God's rest and rule, to Sabbath. Let's make every effort to enter that rest. Let's pray. Christ, yes, you are our Sabbath, ultimately. And you have fashioned us to function best in rhyming lines of work and rest. And yet we find that very hard to do. Help us to do that. Give us a taste of Sabbath that we would long for more. Share this with us through the Holy Spirit. Give us wisdom and discipline to make this happen in our lives and to imitate you in your ways and your purposes for us in this creation that you have made. Help us in this. We pray in Jesus. Amen.